Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Before I actually get the word, we just had a, a short testimony by Pumlani. Hey, almost forgot about that. So um, I think I, I dropped the mic that side. Dropped it that side. Just uh, Pumlani and Mlu have an awesome testimony from last week's Sunday. Just wanted him to share it quickly with us this morning. Come on. Good give morning, this guy Church. a hand. How are you guys doing? Super. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I, I don't see Mlu here. Is he here? Mlu? No. Okay, he's not here this morning. So um, last week, I had a chat with him. So we're outside. Uh, he, was de- he was just telling me what he, he does. You know, he, he has a heart for people who are in hospitals. So um, during the week, he goes out, evangelize, and pray for people. And I was really encouraged by that. And I, I, I felt that uh, I needed to go with him. Uh, so we went with him uh, last week, Sunday. So we went to uh, King Edward Hospital. So as we went there, we were just sharing the gospel. Uh, there were so great things that the Lord was doing. You know, so we started sharing the gospel one-on-one. And people were calling us and saying, hey, please don't leave me. I need Jesus as well. And that for me was like, wow, yeah, we are coming. Uh, so we were sharing the gospel. People got saved. Uh, and when we went out and we saw that there's a lot of people here in this hospital, so we, we decided to just to call everyone and we just preach. So we're just preaching in the hospital. So you're preaching yeah. in a ward and people in were ward. in their beds. Yes. yes. Come on. Uh, even the nurses, they came just to listen uh, to the message. And a lot of people got saved, a lot. <laughs> and. We don't even know how many. We, we, we forgot even to count because there was a lot. People were just raising their hands and saying, don't leave me. I want Jesus. And, you know, so, Come on. yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Mm. Praise God. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just want to encourage you, church. Um, if, you, if you feel God is calling you to go somewhere, whether it be strict ministry or you want to join Umlu or God is calling you wherever, j- just go. Uh, don't wait for the announcement here in church. Don't wait for Pastor Wayne. Don't yeah. wait for any leader. Just be like Umlu and go out and share the gospel. Amen. Amen. Come on. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so if you have a Bible this morning, won't you join me in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start at the beginning, and uh, if you've just joined us, we are doing a, a series at the moment called Eternity Matters, and the reason why we're doing this series is because, you know, we live in a world where eternity doesn't really seem to matter, and everybody seems to be living just for today and just for the moment, but when we read the Bible, we, we keep getting one message that keeps coming to us throughout the Bible, and it's this, don't aim for this life, aim for your eternal life, and uh, the Bible keeps telling us how that the way we live now is so important, the way we live is, is significant, and it impacts how 
you will spend eternity and where you will spend eternity. Uh, in the Bible, there are real consequences to the actions that we live with here on earth. Uh, it talks about heaven and hell it being real places. It talks about in heaven there being some called the greatest and some called the least. It talks about some getting into heaven as just escaping the fire. And it talks about some getting into heaven and being well rewarded when they get there. And so we are preparing ourselves for eternity. We're holding up the banner and saying eternity matters. And we're trying to get this into our minds and into our hearts and allow it to change our lives. Last week we spoke about heaven. Who was here last week? I think we touched it a little bit. I think it was great. You know, just talking about heaven is so exciting and so refreshing and so amazing because why? We live in a broken world and we live in broken bodies and life is not as it should be. This is, what the, this is the message of the Bible, that this world is not as it should be. We, we're living in a, in a fallen world, and we live in fallen bodies, and we're not as we should be, and society is not as it should be, and our relationships are not as it should be. And the good news of the Bible is that God has said, I've taken care of all of this, and I've created a new world. Can somebody say hallelujah? And, and it's going to be without blemish and it's going to be without spot and it's going to be without death and without pain and without suffering and you get a new body come on you get this new body in this new world and uh and, and it talks about us you know being saved for heaven but heaven eventually being relocated on a new earth so god will come and make all things new again and we're going to live as we should live live as the way he intended us to live live the way he designed us to live. That's what he's doing. And, and this morning, you know, before we can get to what God has ordained for us, before we can get to that new world and that new body and that new everything, society as it should be, there is a process that we have to go through in order to get there. There is something that we have to go through in order. We can't just suddenly go, okay, everybody in. Quick, 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 quick. The ship is leaving for heaven. Everybody pile in. Let's go, all right? Because when we get there, what's going to happen? We're going to trash it, okay? We're going to bring in all of this all of, all of this that's wrong here, and we're going to bring it in there. And so, so, so all of this has to be dealt with. All of this has to go through some sort of process in order for us to enter into that newness that God has for us. And so it's that process that I want to talk about this morning. And if you're in Genesis 3, we're going to look at verse 22 this morning just to, kind of, just to see where this process starts. How God, right from the beginning, puts a process in place for us to get there. Can somebody say, get there? Nudge the person next to you and say, I hope you're going to get there. <laughs> All right, we're going to read from Genesis chapter 3. Um, just to give you, just before we read, just, just a little context of, of what's going on here. God creates the world. Everything's good. There's no sin. There's no blemish. He puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve created without sin, in perfection, living in perfect environment, the Garden of Eden. And they, they choose to rebel against God and eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said that in the day that they eat of that, they will, they will die. Okay? So they eat, and this death happens. And we know it was not a physical death. It was a 
a spiritual death, okay? According to the Bible, we, we understand that, you know, we're, we're a, we have a spirit and we live in a body and we have we're spirit, soul, and body. And so the spirit component of them died when they rebelled against God. They died spiritually. That's why, we, and we can know that because straight afterwards, they're confused about God. They've lost their connection with God. They're, they're hiding from God and they're shamed. They, 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 they can't, they're not able to relate with God anymore. And if you, if you look at the world today, we, we see people who are spiritually dead. They, they're confused about God. They have, they've lost their connection with God. The Bible teaches that God is spirit. And, and when His Spirit lives in us, we're able to relate with Him. We're able to have relationship with Him. But they lost that relationship with Him. It was broken when they chose to rebel against Him. And, and, so, and then, and then after, the, after they chose to rebel against Him and, and died spiritually, we see God pronouncing a curse on, on creation. Suddenly this beautiful planet, you know, came under this curse and thorns and thistles came up and mosquitoes and cockroaches and all sorts of rats and inguindanes and you know it just it, it just all these flies and you know it just the, the world fell under this curse and 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 in in paul writes in corinthians he talks about this world groaning under the curse longing to be clothed with the new that god has for it so they die spiritually the world comes under this curse the world is not as it should be and then here we pick up the story in verse 22 and he says look human beings have become like us knowing both good and evil what if they reach out take fruit from the tree of life and eat it then they will live forever so the lord god banished them from the garden of eden look at the i want you just to notice that phrase there what if they reach out and eat from the tree of life so in the garden of eden there was this tree of life and and the idea is that it was eternal life okay um and eventually jesus came and said i am you know the tree the true vine we sang about that mvini this morning the true mvini okay and and so we see a fulfillment of that but there there was this this tree of life and if they ate of it they would have continued to live forever in the fallen state that they were in and the thought of that was so drastic that god looks down and says what if they eat of this thing let's we will have to drive them out we cannot let them have eternal life in the condition that they are in right now. And so we see the first and necessary step because of sin in the, in the process that God has in terms of redeeming the world and making it everything that it needs to be. The first step that he puts in place is physical death. Death is a very necessary thing for a fallen world and fallen people. Have you ever stopped to wonder why it is that we die? You know, we, don't, we kind of just accept that like, death is so a part of life. Everything dies. The plant dies. The, you know, our pets die. Uh, you know, every, we, we, we squash ants, you know, when they run across our desk and they, they're trying to get to our, our lunchbox, you know. We, we, the death is, is just such a part of our, you know, we go, we go to the Kruger National. And what is the one thing we want to see? A lion death <laughs> you know you know it's just like death is so a part of this world but we never stop and really say well why why does everything have to die and here we find the reason the reason why is is actually death is the mercy of god 
Death is God saying, you know what? This is a necessary step so that sin can be stopped in its tracks. In Romans 5 and verse 12, it says the following. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So here we see Adam is the one man that he sins. And as a result of sin, there is this thing now called death, which we have to have. It's a necessary step. And the result of, 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 of death is that uh, of Adam sinning and death coming to us that all death comes to all people because all sin. So if you're born of Adam, which we are, we're actually just one human race here this morning. We all trace our lineage back to Adam. Okay? And, and because we're born of him, we're born in sin nature. And because we're born in sin nature, God is like, you will not live forever. It would be too terrible for you to live to forever. And you know, when you start to consider this in light of the scriptures, I think I just see the mercy of God in this. I would actually not like to live forever on this planet, in this body, in this society, in the way things are. I, you know, I just, it's, it's the mercy of God that he says, no, there will be a time limit on your life. There will be a, there's a moment where your life will stop. He calls it the law of sin and death in Romans 8 and verse 2. If there's sin, there's death. If there's sin, there's death. And all of us have been born into sin. All of us sin at some point in our life. And so death is a natural consequence of that thing. It's a law. Kind of like gravity is a law. If you jump off something high, you will fall down. If you sin, there will be this thing, this down thing called death at the end of it. So God puts this, this, this is the first step in the process we see, death, death, a very necessary step. But now, the problem with death is that death kills, <laughs> you know, death, death destroys what God loves. Death takes away everything, God, God created the world, He created everything, and he loved what he created, and he loves every person. He's not willing that any should die. But now he has to put this process in place called death. And death, unfortunately, now destroys everything that God creates. And so what he did was he said, well, let's put another step into this process. All right? Not only will we have death, but then after death, he puts another step in this process. And that step is called Judgment. Can you say judgment? In, in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it says, It's appointed unto man to die once, thank the Lord, okay? And then the judgment. Can you look at somebody this morning and say the judgment? The judgment, all right? It's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. So we all have an appointment with death. Isn't this a nice topic for Sunday morning? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we could at least schedule that one, you know, at least know like when it was that we were, would be ready for that, you know? But we don't. But we have this appointment with death, it's, and it's, thank goodness it's only a one-slip appointment. But then there's this thing called judgment. 
that comes after death. It's a necessary step. Remember, God is trying to get everything back to what He wanted it to be in the beginning. So death, first step. Then the next step is judgment. And we all go, oh, judgment, no. You know, we hate that word, amen? Judgment is scary. Judgment is like, oh, Lord, you know, what's going to happen? What's that going to look like? And who's going to judge me? And we live in a world where we don't like you. Why are you judging me? And who are you to judge me? And, you know, this judgment is like a negative thing. But actually, I want you to see this morning, like death, judgment is actually the mercy of God. What is this judgment? What is this thing called judgment? Well, basically, God says that, he says this, he says that if there is anything that's worthy that meets the standard from this life, when they die, they can then pass into eternal life if they pass through judgment. So in other words, he says, not everything is going to die by default. Once there's this death that takes place, then I'll create a court. I'll create a, a moment. I'll create an, a, a reckoning, an accounting moment, a, an auditing moment where we will take what is passed from that world and we will reckon it and we'll hold it to account and we will see if it's worthy then to pass into life. Because there might just be the chance that the way it lived could qualify it for something thereafter. God is putting judgment in place. It's actually a, it's a statement of hope. It's, a, it's the biggest thing of faith he's ever done. It's the biggest like compliment to humanity. It's, it's basically God saying that, you know what, I think there might be a chance that people might not have to just go through death, but I could actually just create a reckoning moment where, every, where if possible, they could then pass through into this thing called life. Okay, so he creates this thing called judgment. And then he tells us what judgment will be like. Just so you, so you know this morning, this is what judgment will be like. Romans chapter 2 tells us. It says, there will be no favors extended. In other words, it will be completely impartial, impartial by an external person, okay? <laughs> Independent judiciary board, okay? We, we're talking, you know, no favors extended. So there's no, like, well, I know this person, I know that person, or I can quote this, or I can quote that, or I did this, or I did, no, 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 no. There's no favors extended. There'll be no secrets hidden. Come on, yes. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. I mean, no, no secrets hidden. That means that everyone, you know, because some people can lie and cheat and hide and they, they said this thing, but they didn't, they meant another thing, you know, so, so God takes care of that. He says, no, 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 no secrets. Everything will be out. Okay. Every, no, there won't be any lost evidence or, you know, just some, something that goes missing in the court case or under the cover. Not, nothing like, no secrets. And, and so we go, yes, this is awesome, right? Because justice is going to be done. You don't look too happy. No excuses will be accepted. Oh, they made me do it. They said I should. They, I was born like this in that family and they did that. No, 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 no. Everyone will give an account for your life. No excuse. Right? You won't have the opportunity just to, to, to give some story. Every, anyone who watched these Judge Judy, these, these TV programs where they have, you know, and people come out with stories, man. Well, you see, Your Honor, started when I was five years old. I was born in a family, you know? No, 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 no. 
No, 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 no excuses, okay? And there'll be no escape possible. Yes! Isn't this awesome? This sounds like the perfect, wouldn't we love to have these courts here in, in, in our society? <laughs> you don't look too happy this morning. Lots of nervous laughter. So God promises a foolproof, the best judgment possible. The you know, like nothing can, nothing can escape this judgment. Nothing can go wrong here. Nothing can be a problem here. All right? And, and the only problem with it <laughs> is that everyone's looking at this judgment over here, at Romans chapter 2, all right? And we're all giggling and laughing this morning because every single one of us know that I ain't going to make it through that court. <laughs> If that's the standard, then I'm happy that it's that good, but yeesh. No secret, not, nothing hidden. Okay. <laughs> so it's so, such a good standard. The problem is nobody can make it through there. This is why the Bible says this. It says that all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Psalm 14 says, There's none righteous, no, not even one. To give you an idea of how, how thorough this judgment will be, Jesus said this to people in his day. He said to them, He said, Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisee and scribes, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, he was talking to people who saw Pharisees and scribes as like the ultimate good, goody, goody two-shoes. You know, the, the people who were definitely going to heaven. They did everything right. They read every day the Bible. They prayed every day. They went to the temple. They did all the right offerings. They wore the right clothes. They, they, did, they did all the right, 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 that normal people look at and go, yo, that's hectic. I don't think I could ever do that. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds even that, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And everybody went, yo, I ain't going to the kingdom of heaven. He said this, he said, even if you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. In other words, in this judgment process, the, the, even the attitudes and the motives of your heart will come out. The things you're able to hide from people around you, the things that you're able to hide from your family, your boss, your friends, your, your fellow uh, buzzlewiners, you know, just the, that, those things will all be there in, in the judgment process. And so let's be honest. If we're all going to be judged with no secrets hidden, no excuses accepted, no favors, then all of us sadly fall short. There's no room for anyone to say, but I'm a good person. When we consider the standard that's said in the Bible, there is not one who is good but God, according to Jesus. So now we have another dilemma. God loves human beings, and He wants to get them from this fallen state to that state. So by His mercy, He puts in death just to stop the process so that we don't have to stay like this forever. Then after death, by his mercy, he says, okay, now I'm going to create this judgment, just in case. Just in case there's anyone who is worthy 
from this life. I'll give them that opportunity. And then through that judgment process, if they pass through there, then they can have this thing called eternal life because he's a fair, just judge. But the problem with the justice system that God has is that it's too stringent and so everybody still dies. And so God puts a salvation plan in process right from the beginning of the world. He knew no one would survive that judgment moment. And so what he did was he sent Jesus, his only son. And Jesus was born into this world from a virgin. So he was not carrying the seed of Adam. He was not carrying the sin of Adam. He was was the third perfect person to walk on this earth. He was born of a virgin, came into this world, and he lived a perfect sinless life. The life that... That, that Adam should have lived, but couldn't. And he, and, he, and he fulfilled all the commandments of God. And he obeyed his father right the way through to death. And the Bible says this, that then he went to the cross and he took the judgment for sin. Though he had none, God put the judgment for sin upon him so that whoever might believe in him would then escape judgment and enter into eternal life. Another act of the mercy of God in order to get us from here to there. It's kind of like this. If you could imagine standing before God in a courtroom and you're giving an account for everything that you've done, every lie, every thought, every motive, everything is laid bare, every word you've spoken, and you know the outcome of this and you, and you know where it's going, And you know that the the death sentence is to follow. And then somebody walks into the courtroom and says, Judge, I know this person is going to death, but I will take their punishment for them. And the judge says, Who are you? And And the person says, I am Jesus. And he says, Have you got any sin? Because if you have sin in you, then you're going to have to pay your own price. Because remember, there's a law in place called the law of sin and death. Okay, if there's sin, there's death. But Jesus has no sin. And so what we see is a transaction taking place is that in the courtroom, God takes your sin and he puts it on Jesus. And Jesus puts it on himself and he walks up Golgotha and he dies on a cross. And at the cross, he takes the full punishment for your sin so that you in that courtroom, in that moment, go free. The righteousness that was on Jesus gets put onto your account. The sin that was on your account gets put onto Jesus. That's why Jesus is called the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, it says this, He was wounded for our transgressions. Can we read it this morning? It should come on AV. Let's go. But He was Wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has made to light upon him 
the guilt and the iniquity of us all. Let that sink in for a moment. That's what that cross means over there. That's what he did for all of us. So in the moment of judgment, when we come before God, he no longer sees our sin, but he sees Jesus' righteousness. And so we escape judgment and we go into eternal life. In fact, our names get recorded in the courtrooms of God in this special book gets created called the Lamb's Book of Life, the Book of Life. And all those who believe in Jesus and accept the offer that he makes and receive it and live for Jesus, their names get recorded in that book. So when you go to heaven, books will be opened and you, if you're in that book, you escape judgment, you walk free. And you don't have to go through that judgment. How hectic is that judgment? Well, let's read it this morning. Chapter 20. Revelation 20. It should come up. It says the following. And I saw... One, two. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. We're talking about, obviously, the face of God here. I don't, I, this is one of the most profound, I, sorry, I have to just ponder that point. Heaven and earth flees at the face of God. You know, that's why he says to Moses, no one can see my face and live. <laughs> it's like, oh God, why don't you show yourself? Oh God, why? Don't, well, it's his mercy that he has separated heaven from earth. Because it would kill us if we had to see him. So then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth had fled and heaven and earth had fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God, and books were opened. Another book was, was opened, which is the book of life. Can you say the book of life? And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the death in Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades, or hell, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Can you say second death? And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this kind of summarizes really... God's process in order to get from this into that. There will be death, then there will be judgment, and there will be those who can pass through judgment, and then there won't be those who will pass through judgment. There will be, after judgment, there will be a second death, and there will be something called a lake of fire. Now, I know it's hard for our minds to get around some of this this morning. Would you allow me just to teach for a moment, okay? I've done a simple diagram this morning. Avi, if you wouldn't mind just putting that diagram up, just to help your mind cope with everything that's being said here. What you see in this diagram is, is, is heaven at the top, earth in the middle, and hell at the bottom. What we, we see heaven is the place of God, and earth as the place of man, the physical universe, and, and hell as the place of Satan. There are two arrows there that 
are significant moments in time continuing. If you can imagine time starting on the left and, and proceeding to the right. There's the moment where Jesus came to earth, that first yellow arrow. Okay? At that first yellow arrow, when, when Jesus came to earth and lived the perfect life and paid the sacrifice for sin, there's a significant event that takes place after Jesus ascends into heaven. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the moment of Pentecost when the, when the Holy Spirit got poured out on the church. And what, what, what was actually going on there was that was God allowing man to become spiritually alive again. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is given for, all right, so that we could then have relationship with God. So remember when Adam sinned in the garden, he died. We know spiritually that component was lost. The Holy Spirit of God was taken from him. But after Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit coming back and God promises, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions and there's, there's gonna be a move of the spirit and there's gonna be a connection with me again and people are gonna be able to know my voice and heed my voice and walk in my ways and my laws will be written on their hearts It won't necessarily need to be in a book anymore. They'll just know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. That was what happened. Okay, so God's spirit comes back into mankind. So spiritual life is restored to mankind. Remember, we, we lost spiritually, all right? We lost, we had spiritual death, then we have physical death, okay? So God has restored spiritual life with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit after Jesus. But physical death continues, all right? So he's so he didn't just stop physical death there. He's allowed a period of time to unfold. At the moment, it's up to like 2,000 years. And in this time, some people are like, why, why, why so much time? And, and the reason is found in the book of Peter where it says that God is not slow concerning his promise of providing the eternal life that we're looking for, but rather he's patient. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. So the reason why we haven't had the second arrow judgment over there is because God is patient and kind and not wanting anybody to perish. So he's created time so that more humans can be born, more people can enter into his kingdom and come into the eternal life. That Isn't it great that it didn't end 100 years ago? We wouldn't be there, right? So this is grace. He, he knew about you. He looked forward to seeing you, and he looks forward to seeing you in eternal life. So the time, all right, he's delayed physical death being destroyed so that more people can get in. So what we're living in is a time of grace and incredible mercy where souls can come to him, okay? And in this time, he's like, you know what? I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, and I know it's still a fallen world, and I know it's still a fallen body, but I'm going to give you my spirit. And my spirit is like a guarantee. It's like a deposit that everything that I've promised you that's still coming, I'm good for it. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? When you got the Holy Spirit, man, you got a bit of heaven. You, there's something in you that says, this is not all that is. This is not it. This body is not it. There's something greater to come. I know there's more for me, and I know my God is good for it. I know that what he's promised, he will deliver on. And so I, even though I groan inwardly and creation's growing inwardly, I've got a deposit, man. I've got a guarantee. I've got something from God now in these hard times, in these difficult days. I've got the spirit of God in me. And it's not in might and it's not in power, but it is by the spirit of God. And with the spirit of God, I can live in victory even now. 
Even now in this fallen world, in this broken world, because His Spirit is in me, I'm an overcomer. Nothing this world can throw at me. Greater is He that's in me than He that's in this world. He's robbed Satan of all power at the cross and he's put his spirit in me so that I can live a victorious life now, this side of eternity. I can actually start to taste heaven on earth by the way I live right now. That's why I've said over there, this is a period of time where heaven invades earth. Heaven invades earth. The way we live as Christians now, we literally can see heaven manifest on earth. But the way we live, we can start to taste it here. And we've been instructed to pray it here. We've been instructed to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God has just given us a little guarantee, a little deposit that enables us now to experience even what he's promised to in the future. People, this is incredible. That's why you see wherever in the world there's people who embrace Christ, who live for Christ, who embrace righteousness, who live the word of God, who pray, who seek his face. Their lives are blessed. Their families are blessed. Their kids are blessed. Society begins to be blessed. The land begins to even be blessed. You see, when Adam fell, whoa, come on. (laughs) When Adam fell, people, the earth came under a curse. When he died spiritually, the earth started to die too. There's a connection between the heart of man and the earth. There's a connection. It's when we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our evil ways, he says, he says, I will hear from heaven and heal the the land. You know, when you restore relationship with God, the healing comes to, to the land. So, so we, can, we can start to taste a healed Durban by the way we live now. If we live for eternity, if we really buy this book, people, <laughs> and when I say buy it, I mean we start to live this thing. We start to put it into our money. We start to really obey what Jesus has commanded. Let me tell you something. We will see heaven here. We will start to see society blessed around us. Healing will come to the land. Man is the gateway for either heaven or earth to, or hell, sorry, to come to earth. We're the gateway. We allow hell here. Where does hell, it comes through the heart of man. The heart of man, Jesus said, without the spirit of God, I know me without the spirit of God. It is terrible. <laughs> it is a disaster. Without God, so I say that the best thing about me is that God put His Spirit in me. I know me. I know me without that. I know what happened to me. I know what I became a conduit for hell on earth. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he does it through the heart of man. We don't ever see the, the enemy, you know, arriving in his, in his like, overalls and, 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 and hoodie and whatever and, and coming and stealing and killing. No, it's, it's always a man. It's always a person, all right, that has, that has opened a gateway for him to bring hell to earth. You see, earth belongs to man. It was given to us. We have dominion over here. We have dominion on this earth, and we've been instructed to bring heaven to earth and repel hell. From earth. 
So we're living in a time now where heaven's invading earth, hell's invading earth, and it's like, whoa, it's all happening. You know, the, the righteous growing up with the unrighteous. It's like, like the parables that Jesus spoke about. And he's just like, let it all happen right now because there's grace, there's mercy, another act of mercy of God. But there will be a day where he will say, okay, time is up. Mercy has run out. All right, this is enough now. And there'll be this thing called judgment. And now we've just read about judgment. Okay, judgment is the day where God reveals his face and his righteousness and who he is. And heaven and earth flee at the sight of his face. And then we see everybody being judged. And if you're not in the Lamb's book of life, in the book of life, then you get thrown into this thing called the lake of fire. Let me back up a second. What happens if you die like now? Where do you go? If you're a believer in Christ, you have the Spirit of God living within you. You go to heaven where God is. And you join what Hebrews calls is the cloud of witnesses. All right, the, the saints who are cheering on the believers, okay? Where there's intercession, where there's prayer, where there's worship, where there's, there's this strange connection between heaven and earth. Can't really explain it. I can't really understand it in many ways. But we join what's going on up there in heaven if we, if we die now. To be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord, okay? When Stephen was being stoned, all right, and, and, and murdered for his faith, he looked up and he saw Jesus, and he said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he went to be with the Lord. <laughs> All right? So the Lord is in heaven. We know that he ascended into heaven. If we die today, death has lost its sting. We go there. Praise God. <laughs> and it's a glorious place. Okay? Heaven is an amazing place. We spoke about it last week. So we, we go there. If we do not have the spirit of God, the Bible says that we then, there's no other place for you to go but to go to hell. And then what will happen at judgment is that all those in hell then get thrown into this thing called the lake of fire, which the Bible then calls is the second death. And whether that's a lake of fire that lasts for eternity, a continual thing, or whether it's like a second death and it's, now it's over, you, everyone that was there is destroyed, Satan and these demons, they, everything gets destroyed there. And then what we see is after that, a new heaven and a new earth where there's no gap between heaven and earth. Heaven is on earth. God is on earth. The new Jerusalem relocates down to earth. So if you die now, you go up to heaven, and then after judgment, you'll be relocated on a new earth in a new body, and you'll live with God forever. We'll have God on earth. It's going to be incredible, okay? And then there's, if you don't, then there's this lake of fire story. Whether it's eternal or it's a once-off moment, there's so many scriptures that could say this or that we don't really know. I can't, I can't be emphatic this morning about it. But this is God's process in order for us to have that. And I want you to notice this morning that this is not a judgmental, irrational hard, uncaring God. I want you to see that every single one of the steps that he's put in place, although tough, are necessary in order for us to have what he's talked about, right? in order for us to get there. There's a lot of misconceptions 
when it comes to this place called hell. The world really tries to make light of hell. There's all these jokes, you know, I was looking at this, this cartoon again where this guy is walking into the woman's shoe department with his, li- with his wife and in his mind he has the speech bubble saying, oh no, I'm going into hell. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's all these jokes about, about hell and, you know, images of a devil with a fork and some people say hell's the party, that's where all the good music is going to be. Mark Twain said, we should go to heaven for the climate and hell for the company, like as in all the good people are going to be there. We try and make light of it, but according to Scripture, there's really nothing to joke about. There's nothing to be lied about. It's spoken of 167 times in the Bible. Jesus spoke about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Here are some of the things he said about hell. Matthew 25. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. He called it outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth there. That sounds like pain. Mark 9 says it will be hellfire, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It just does not sound good. Matthew 25 says, Then they will also say to those on my left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. In Revelation 21, it's called a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And in Psalm 73, it's called a place of ruin. Jesus said it is such a bad place. That if your eye causes you to sin, rather pluck it out now, live in this life with one eye, than get, get into eternity and find out that that eye pulled you down into a place called hell. If your hand causes you to sin, he was being dramatic, cut it off. Rather go through this life maimed and enter into heaven than, this li- than be dragged down into hell. And that's how drastic he was. Obviously, he wasn't talking in a literal sense. What he was saying is do whatever you know is right to do so that you do not go to this place. There was nothing light about what he was saying. In Luke 16, he told a parable about a man who went to hell and begged to be sent back to earth just so that he could warn and tell other people not to end up in that place. The biggest misconception we have regarding hell is that God actually wants to send people to hell. We must know, and I want you to know this morning, that Matthew 25, 41 says that hell was not designed for man. It was designed for the devil and his angels. In Matthew 25, he says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for who? The devil and his angels was never his intention that man would end up in that place. And Satan knows that he's going to that place and lives in that place and he knows the lake of fire is coming. And so he wants to take down as much and as many as he can with him to that place. 2 Peter says this, that God's not willing that any would perish but come to eternal life. Ezekiel 18 says, he does no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He says, and do I... And not that he should turn from his ways and live. He'd prefer the wicked even. To, to, you know, there, when we think about hell, we imagine certain people like Hitler that needs to be there, you know. And, and we're like, yeah, they need, they need that place, you know. God actually, and we like kind of have a little sense of like, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It's fair. It's righteous. You know, it's, it's, it's like got what, he's come, got what he's coming for him, you know. But God does not even take delight in the wicked in that place dying but rather that even the wicked turn and come 
to God. When Jesus was being crucified on the cross, they crucified him with two robbers, one on the left and one on the right. One man who had done nothing right his entire life, who was a murderer, a thief, who deserved to be dying on the cross next to him, turned to Jesus, repented Jesus and said, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you're forgiven. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, you talk about the grace of God. You've done nothing right your whole life. And on your deathbed, you say, or on your hospital bed, we don't know, amen? That on that moment, you, you choose Jesus and give your life, you're in. Such is the mercy of God. Such is the grace of God. He does not want anyone together. The other misconception we have regarding hell is that God is not fair somehow. You know, how can he send good people to this place? You know, these people were, you know, they didn't even hear the gospel. They were born into that family with another religion. And, you know, what about all, you know, those people who aren't Christians and, the, you know, the Eskimos, they never got to hear the gospel. What, what about, you know, God, how can, just because they don't believe in Jesus, how can they end up in, in hell? You know, we, so we, we, we look at God like God's like somehow unfair because of this place called hell. And the, and the problem with this, there's two problems with this. Number one is that we seriously overestimate our ability to decide on what is fair. Can you imagine being the appointed judge of the universe? Okay, your new title, there you are. You have to judge all human beings of all time, of all races and of all colors and of all cultures. That's your job. Can you tell me that you are gonna be fair, unbiased, consistent in all your judgments for all these people and that you are, remember, at that position, the guardian of the new heaven and the new earth. And your job is to make sure that whatever passes through this judgment is not going to defile that place, that it won't end up like this place again, because once it's eternal life, it's eternal, and, and we're coming in there with sin, it's eternal horribleness, okay? I don't know how else to describe that. And your job is now to guard that. Can you tell me this morning that we, that we would do a good job and we will be unbiased and consistent? I don't think, you know, humility says, I, you know what, God, I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to let you be God and I'm going to just believe that all these situations and all these people's lives, you will be fair. But at what you've revealed to me, I'm going to, I'm going to follow what you've revealed to me. I'm going to do what you say. Can you, let me show you how good his policy is. This is God's policy when it comes to eternal life. This is his policy, all right? Just in case you think he's not fair, everybody is welcome. That's his policy when it comes to eternal life. How old, doesn't matter how young, it doesn't matter what color, what, where you were born, whatever. everybody is welcome. Oh, but I was born in this religion. It doesn't matter, you're welcome. But I, I blasphemed your name and I lived like that. It's okay, you're welcome. Everybody is welcome. Not only that, everybody gets in the same way. Isn't that good to know? That there's no other loophole, no other short chain, there's no other, everybody gets in the same way. And that way is repentance and faith by, by grace through faith. It also says everybody can meet the requirements. Every single human has the ability to repent and believe. <laughs> you have that ability. You, there's no way that there's anyone on this planet that could say, you know what? Oh, God said we have to jump over 10 hurdles and run the mile in under four minutes and then we could get into heaven. 
but like my legs aren't too good. No, no, no. The requirement is fair. Everybody can get in. Everybody can meet that requirement. And he said this, one dies for all so that all can live. He could have said, you know what? One million could die for all. One billion could die for all. He could have been like Thanos and said 50% (laughs) die for all. He could have, he could have been like that. That's more like man, right? Thanos, you guys don't even know what I'm talking. Some of you are like, you need to watch the Avengers people. Get with the program. (laughs) He could, he could have, but he said, no, one will die for all so that all could live. Isn't this the most merciful and just system there is? You know, the other reason why we think God is unfair is because we seriously underestimate the significance of our sin. We, can I tell you what we do with our sin? We rationalize our sin. It's not that bad when you compare me to other people. I saw so-and-so, and they were doing that. And, and look what's going on on TV, you know? And I'm, I'm only doing a little bit of that, so I'm not as bad. And somehow we, like, kind of judge ourselves according to the standard that's in the world. And we think that we're okay because we're not as bad as so-and-so. But all we're doing is rationalizing our sin, comparing ourselves against other fallen people and not against God's holy standard. And sadly, there are many people who think that God will judge us according to the standard of the world, but God has said, no, the standard is His standard of righteousness. So we can't get there and say, but everybody, okay? We can't excuse our sin, saying, oh, nobody's perfect. No, it is, it is what it is. We can't defend our sin. I was born like this. That's a lie from the enemy that says you were born like this. According to the Bible, when you receive the Spirit of God, when you repent and you put your faith in Christ and you receive the Spirit of God, you are victorious over sin and death. You are victorious. You can live whole and victory over sin. There's no temptation that sees you but what is common to man. And God is faithful. He never allows you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. But in the temptation, He always provides the way of escape. So you can handle everything that comes your way. There's no excuse like, I was born like this, he'll understand. No, okay? We demand even the right to sin. Look at our world. We march for it. We change our constitutions to entrench sin. It is legal in South Africa to abort a baby in the womb. That, my ladies and gentlemen, is, is entrenched, legalized sin. It's legal for homosexual people to be married in our constitution. That is legalized sin. It's us saying we know better than God's word. It's us saying defending our rights and building our constitutions, but we're not taking count of eternity. All we're thinking about is here and our pleasure and our freedom here right now, not considering the damnation that's coming. Because our constitution will not be the constitution by which God judges us. When we get to heaven, we, can, we can't pull out the South African constitution that says, it says, I can live like this. We know, the Bible says that all of us have the, the, the consciousness of sin. We know what is right and what is wrong. But every time we choose not to listen to what is right, our conscience becomes seared, the Bible says. 
and we become more entrenched in our sin and more sin-like, and the only place left for us is this place called a hell, where we were never intended to go. It was designed for Satan and his angels, and no one should end up in there if we would just repent and believe. Revelation 21 says, but there shall, be no means, there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. God is fair. God is just. God is merciful. He's gracious. And I don't think you're going to get a better deal anywhere else other than in that. Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning in prayer? When Jesus came to earth, the Bible says that after he, remember we've been talking about the process this morning in order to get from here to there. We spoke about death and judgment and then how God made a way for us to escape judgment by getting into the, the book of life. It says in Romans 8, it says that if you receive Christ, the law of the spirit of life, frees you from the law of sin and death. Can I say that again? The law of the spirit of life frees you from the law of sin and death. Remember there was a law put in place. Sin, there's death. But if you believe in Christ, it says that there's a new law that comes into being. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you go through that transaction with him and give him your sin, take on his righteousness, Get your forgiven on. <laughs> Get your forgiven on. <laughs> There's a new law. And it supersedes that old law. You know, gravity says everything comes down. But there is the law of lift and thrust. Which says, which a plane flies by. A plane flies according to lift and thrust. If there's thrust and lift then gravity is defeated. And Jesus is saying, I got a new law for you people and it's gonna thrust you out of this broken world and it's gonna lift you out of your sin and you're gonna enter into a relationship with me. Isn't that awesome? New law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ that frees you from the law of sin and death. Jesus knew. That's why he came to earth. You know, he said this. He said, my life mission, I haven't come to judge. That's going to come in a later stage. I've come to not judge sinners, but to save them, to seek and save what is lost. That's what he, he said. My life purpose, I've come to seek and to save. That's why I'm here. I'm here to put this new law in process so people can escape sin, death, and judgment. That's why he came. And he said this. He says, unless you repent, you will perish. Unless you change, unless you leave your old life of sin and enter into the new life with me, you will perish. 
And you know, the world looks at that statement over there in Luke 13, and the world gets so mad at that. We get so angry at that. Oh, how can he say that? How can he say we're going to die? How are we going to say we're going to go to hell? How can we say, you know, just, we get mad at this. We don't want this. Blah, 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 blah. We get so mad. But let me, let me ask you something this morning. If, if you're about to sit on a, on a journey and you're going to go on a road and I come from being down that road and I meet you at the start of your journey and I say to you, you know what? You better watch out. Down the road, there is a blind corner and there's a bridge that's collapsed. And if you're going at the normal speed of a car, you're not going to see it and you're going to plunge into a cavern and you will certainly die. Right? So I'm warning you now. So that when you get on the road, there's a detour just before there. And if you take that detour, you will you'll live, you'll be okay. But if you miss it, you're going to cry. You would say, thank you. You would say, Yo, thank you so much. I was going to die if you didn't tell me that information. People, this is what the Bible is. It's that, it's that information. Unless you take the detour, unless you take the, the forgiveness that's in Christ, you will perish. And it's not being horrible and it's not being judgmental. It's just stating the facts. It's just saying this is what it is. What you want to do with that is up to you. I want to say to you, please, don't miss out on that. When there's a God who's done so much, don't choose to ignore that and rather choose to live for some temporary pleasure your whole life and then get to that moment and go, oh dear, I should have listened. I should have changed. I should have lived differently. I should have taken more heart. I should have actually read the Bible. I should have started to find out what Jesus said. I should have actually, I should have, I should have, I should have. I don't want anyone here in this church not to be prepared for that day. Can we bow our heads this morning? If you're here this morning and you have not yet accepted Jesus, the offer that he's made, if you're not certain that heaven is your home, I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to pray a prayer of repentance. Repentance just means, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not going to live my own life anymore. I'm going to live the life you've called me to live. If that's you this morning and you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to be bold and lift up your hand in this place. Lift up your hand and say, Wayne, that's me. Well done, champ. Anybody else? Well done. Over there. See those both hands going up. Anybody else? You want to pray that prayer this morning? Just slip your hand up. You know what? I'm going to make this so quick this morning because I feel like the whole sermon has done the job. You guys with your hands raised, come on up, come here. I want want to pray for you up here. Come join me over here. Come join me here. Two mighty men in the house. And we're clapping because it's a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, 
you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.